I'll be reading uh, Hebrews 13, verses 5 through 8. Hebrews 13, 5 through 8. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have, because God has said, Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, The Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. If you want to be successful in your spiritual life, it is imperative that you have good examples that you're following. Think about the truth just for a moment of that statement. If you are going to be successful, if you're going to live a successful life and go to heaven one day when you pass on from this life, as we talk about with our young people during Kids Sing on Sunday evenings, if you're going to live a successful life and go to heaven, it is imperative, it is absolutely 100% essential that you have people that you can look to and say, I'm following this person just like they're following Jesus. Paul would say that in not so many words in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 1, imitate me as I imitate Christ. It is absolutely imperative if we're going to live successful Christian lives that we have people that we look up to. We are in the book of Hebrews this morning, and we're going to get to chapter 13, but I want you to start in chapter 6. Hebrews, in a simple statement is telling Christians, don't go backward, go forward. Everything that we have, everything better that God has promised us, doesn't lie in a former life. It doesn't lie back there somewhere. It lies forward in your Christian life in Jesus. Because Jesus Christ is better than anything else this world has to offer. You'll notice that the name of the book of Hebrews is Hebrews. It seems like it's written to a Jewish audience who want to leave Christianity because it's hard, because there's persecution, because there's difficulty and turmoil. And what they're wanting to do is they're wanting to go back to Judaism. Hebrews writer says, don't go backwards, go forwards. Don't go back into uh, the other things because we've got something better for us. And you'll find a variety of synonyms within this basic uh, theme all the way throughout the book of Hebrews. May not necessarily be able to wade through some of the things that he's talking about and, and, and grasp it with perfect clarity. But you know what? I can get the big message. Don't go backwards. Go forwards. And the synonyms he uses for going backwards are things like unfaithfulness, having an evil heart of unbelief. Chapter 3 and verse 12 and 13. Going backwards means uh, drifting away. Chapter 2, verse 1. Going back means uh, not remaining faithful, not uh, keeping your confidence firm to the end. Those are going back synonyms that he's going to use. As he talks about going forward, he's going to talk about in terms of being faithful. Holding fast that which we believed in. Holding fast and standing on the promises that God has given us, recognizing that they're better and far than anything else that he's promised. But what you're going to find as a motif that goes all throughout the book of Hebrews is look to these people who are worthy of imitation. Look at chapter 6, verse, beginning of verse 11. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 11. 
He says, we desire that each one of you show the same diligence, that means going forward, have the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end, that you do not become sluggish, but note this, imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. It is absolutely essential, brothers and sisters, if we're going to be successful in our Christian lives, to have people that are worthy of imitation. Note what he does in the next verse. For when God made a promise to, here's somebody worthy of imitation, Abraham, because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, surely a blessing, I will bless you, and multiplying, I will multiply you. And note what Abraham did. Verse 15, so after he had patiently endured going forward, he obtained the promise. Abraham absolutely is worthy of imitation as we live our lives in the Christian faith. Flip over to Hebrews chapter 11. You know Hebrews chapter 11 because it's known as the great hall of fame of faith. There are no less than 20 examples of faithful people who had been holding on to what they had and had been going forward the way God wanted them to. And he talks about it in terms of this formula. God told them what to do. God made them a promise. Abraham, get out of your country, go to land, and I'll make you a great nation. Abraham heard that word. He obeyed that word. He believed that promise. And you know what happened was Abraham received that promise. But you find a number of people that are worthy of imitation, beginning there in verse 4 with Abel. Looking verse 5, Enoch. Looking down at verse 8, we mentioned Abraham again. Verse 7 is Noah. Verse 11 is Sarah. Verse 17, Abraham offering Isaac. Isaac, verse 20, offering or blessing Jacob. And Jacob having his sons there with him. And verse 22, Joseph. Verse 23, here's Moses. All of these people being people who are worthy of imitation. And as he comes to his grandiose sermonic conclusion there at the end of chapter 12, note how chapter, or excuse me, chapter 11 ends. Note how chapter 12 begins. Therefore, we also... Since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let's lay aside every weight and the sin which easily snares us, and let's run with endurance. We go, keep going forward. Run with endurance the race that's set before us, looking to Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The picture here is we've got all these people who are standing about us in a stadium. And the picture here is us down here on the track, running our Christian lives and running and, and making the most of our faith and making the most of going forward the way the Hebrews writer talks about. And the picture is that we've got all these witnesses, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Moses and uh, Enoch and, 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 uh, and Abel and all these people. He says, you be faithful, but you look and you see those people that are doing what they ought to do or have done what they ought to do and they've received the promise. As we get to chapter 13, chapters 12 and 13 are the practical application of the book of Hebrews. How is it that we're going to keep going forward? How is it that we're not going to move back? And you'll note that he talks about looking to Jesus. Jesus absolutely is one that we absolutely in our, in our suffering and our trials need to look to. But as he talks about moving forward into maturity, into our Christian lives, I want you to understand something that he talks about looking to the living examples that we've got in our congregations of those people who are faithful, who are worthy of imitation. And three times in chapter 13, he is going to talk about the elders. He's going to talk about them in terms of, I believe Chris's uh, version said, leadership. 
And it's no doubt who he's talking to because here's a congregation, according to chapter 5, that's been established for quite a while. And it seems like they've already got an eldership. They've got people that are over them, that are shepherding them. And we'll talk more about that in just a moment. But if you want to be successful in your own life, it's not just a matter of looking to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and seeing results of their faith, but it's also about looking to those people whose faith we can see on a daily basis. And we can see working in our own lives as it is that we strive to imitate them. There are no less than three references and three commands to Christians, how we are to regard, how we are to treat, how we are to uphold elders as men of faith. As examples of our faith, elders and how they behave as men of our faith. faith. As we prepare this morning to appoint three new elders to shepherd this congregation, it is important to us to talk about how we as sheep can better relate to the shepherds. Note this number one from the scripture reading which was read for us just a few moments ago. We can keep in mind those who rule over you. Keep in mind those who rule over you. Look at verses 7 through 9 again. Note the phrase occurs three times. Remember those who are your leaders or those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow, considering the outcome of their conduct. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Don't be carried about with various and strange doctrines, for it's good that uh, the heart is established by grace, not with foods which is profit of those who have been uh, uh, occupied with them. Remember, keep in mind those who rule over you. Note four admirable qualities he gives about these men whose faith we can follow. Number one, he says we have the word of God because of them. They're faithful with the word of God. They're faithful who have spoken the word of God to you. You ever wonder why we study the Bible classes that we study here at Graber Road? You ever wonder why it is that we even offer Bible class periods here at Graber Road on Sunday morning and Wednesday night? Why it is that the elders want uh, things like kids sing to move forward? Why it is that they want teacher work days? And why it is that they want good, solid curriculum in each one of the Bible classes? It's because they have a concern that we hold fast to the Word of God. Amen to that. Why is it that we as sheep routinely miss Bible classes because we think that we can just roll out of bed at 9.30 and come on up here at 10 and just worship with the saints? You know what? It's the elders' desire that we feed together as a church family upon the Word of God. They've spoken the Word of God to us. They're concerned that we have a healthy diet of God's Word. That means, brothers and sisters, when those opportunities are offered, where we have the opportunity to sit at the feet of a teacher who has prepared himself and is wanting to preach to us or teach us the word of God so that we can be more nourished in our spiritual lives. It's because the elders see that as important. Note this also. We have examples in them. He says, whose faith follow? You want to be successful in your Christian life, you're going to have to find people that you're imitating that are following after Jesus. It is that there's an eldership here who are worthy of imitation, whose faith are worthy of following. But note also, he's going to talk about this in terms of they're going to receive the promise. He says they're considering the outcome of their conduct. You know why? Because God has not left these men with an impossible task. He's not left them as babes in the woods, but rather they understand the importance of being shepherds and shepherding faithfully. And as they do those things, you know what? They're recognizing they're going to receive a reward from the chief shepherd when he appears. First Peter chapter 5, verse 1. They're doing those things that they deem good for this congregation and holding fast to the word of God and wanting people to, to be people of the Bible. 
and wanting us to only do things in Bible things and Bible ways and call things uh, Bible uh, Bible things by Bible names. They're wanting that because they know there's a reward that's involved, not only for them, but all those who are in the flock of God, as we talked about in Bible class this morning. They're going to receive the promises of God. They're trying to be like Jesus. Don't miss this connection there in verse 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday ever. You know what? That doesn't necessarily fall out of the sky into this spot particularly. I believe it. It absolutely connects not only what's before it, but what's after it. Why is it that we can look at men and say, I see that this man meets the qualifications of 1 Timothy 3 and Titus chapter 1? It is because they've been following Jesus, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Here's the question. When you go to the eldership, and you ask them something about how it is or why it is that we do something or if we can begin this or end this or, or do these things in different ways, are you, are you expecting that it's going to be just like uh, going in before you know, a, a, a tumultuous boss or um, a, a boss that doesn't necessarily have it all together and he's going to look at it and go and just blow up at you? Or is it you know that they're going to be consistent answers? That these men are men of consistent character? that you know what they're going to say, you have an understanding that they're going to evaluate things scripturally. They're going to establish things and, and look at things doctrinally. They're going to look at it and say, is this the, really the best thing we need to do for this congregation? You know what? I think you'll find that Jesus, Jesus treats his church that way. As his bride, as his holy bride, they're trying to be solid like Jesus. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and they point people to him. Brothers and sisters, God places elders in the church as examples, as what we can and what we should become as Christians. Remember them. They're not carried about by strange doctrines, verse 9. Their hearts are established by grace and rooted like we read about Psalm 1, verse 3. They're not concerned about washing the outside of the cup. They're not just uh, concerned about putting on a facade about uh, we've got it all together. But they're interested sincerely. And he says, you pay attention to them. You remember them. Practically. I know sometimes that members, I know sometimes that we as people feel like we have it all together and we have the right answers. And so it is when we come and we see things that we disagree with that are going on in a local congregation. Understand we're talking about matters of talking about matters of doctrine. But we come and we begin to see things and we say, why is it that those elders do that? And we get a bee in our bonnet, so to speak, and we begin to get in the car and we begin to complain to one another, wife and husband and husband and wife. And we talk about it and say, you know what, that eldership back there at Graver Road. They're more concerned with whether or not we get blue carpet or green carpet. They're more concerned with, with whether or not we sing uh, out of songs of praise out of blue or the songs of praise out of green. You know what? Those men don't have a collective brain in their heads, and we begin to criticize every little thing that they're doing. And we don't recognize that sometimes as young parents, we've got little ears that are listening in the back of the car. That we've got Christians that are maybe sitting there at the lunch table with us. And hearing those criticisms and hearing those things that people are bringing out about the leadership. Hebrews writer would say, remember those elders. You know why? Because there's going to come a time in the future. Whenever it is that most of us will be older, if not all of us, we'll be older and we'll be looking around for the next generation of elders, next generation shepherds. 
And you know what? As we have young people who are now grown adults, and they're looking at the eldership, and they're saying, uh, somebody comes to them and says, I see that you're, all, you're qualified to be an elder. No, I remember how my mom and my daddy used to talk about them. I remember what my mom and my dad used to say about them as elders, and I want no part of that. Brothers and sisters, there's an honor, there's a appreciation, a remembrance that needs to be given to these men who shepherd us. And we absolutely need to be careful with how we talk about them. To speak to that point, look at the next passage. Verse 37, follow those who rule over you. Not really completely comfortable with the word follow. You can write slash honor if you're taking notes there. Honor those who rule over you. Look at verse 17. He says, obey those who rule over you, or that obey your leaders, as Chris's version might say, and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. There are two primary commands in this verse. Number one, obey. Obey. We emphasize absolutely the importance of obedience. You obey me right now. You understand? You listen to what I'm saying and you do what's right. You obey me. You know, there's a continuance there. Continue to obey, to win one's favor, to gain one's goodwill, to seek one, to strive with one, to comply with. The issue is, is that that's not the only command. Obedience is one thing. But obedience coupled with the next word he uses, submit. Submission. You see, I can obey right away. I can throw up my hands, like we mentioned on Wednesday night in Bible class in, in the auditorium. We talked about how you can tell your son or your daughter, go clean your room. <sighs> Fine. And they go and they clean their room. Have they obeyed? The answer is yes. Here's the question. Have they submitted? The whole time as they're cleaning their room, they're thinking what a rotten, mean, Hateful mom and dad are because I can't play my video games the way I want to. There's a difference between obedience and submission. Submission means I'm going to yield my will to yours. I'm going to sacrifice my wants, my wills, my wishes, and I'm going to recognize that because you have said this and because you're in a position of authority, I am going to submit. I love the illustration. I've used it here before, and I don't mind using it again. little girl that was riding with her daddy in the back, uh, back seat, she's there, and her dad's driving, and she's standing up on the back seat just bouncing and bouncing and bouncing and bouncing, and her daddy says, turns around and says, if you don't turn around and sit down right now, I'm going to pull over this car, and you're not going to like what happens. It's a little girl. <sighs> she folds her arms. She sits down in that car seat, and it gets real quiet in the car, and a little bit later, she says, Daddy, I'm still standing up on the inside. That's obedience without submission. Obedience because of submission says, I'm going to obey you and I'm going to do so because I've got the right attitude. You want a stronger relationship with your shepherds. You want a stronger relationship with those who rule over you. You're not only obedient to what they say, but you're also recognizing, listen, I'm not in this position of authority. I recognize you are. I may not necessarily agree with what you're saying, but I am going to obey you and I'm going to do it in the right manner. I'm going to obey with a happy heart. You know, the elders, this is not a license for them to be tyrants. <laughs> it's not a license for them to be dictators, sitting up on high and, and squashing who they feel needs to be squashed. In fact, Peter would deal with that in 1 Peter chapter one, uh, 5, verse 3. 
is told that they're not supposed to be lords over the congregation. And in fact, the Bible would tell us that we need to be submissive to one another. We need to talk about one another and, and hold up one another in esteem and recognize that we're all working towards the same thing. But we do this and we are obedient and submissive, not because the elders have the opportunity to get their own way. Verse 17 tells us clearly, because they watch out for your soul. They're not only watching out for your soul, but they're going to give an account of your soul. What is the attitude that I need to give? Here's a sheep standing off in the middle of a craggy place, a, a mountainous, rocky place. And here are wolves surrounding the sheep. And standing in front of the sheep is one shepherd with his staff, ready to fight off those wolves, ready to give his life for that sheep because he cares about it so much. And here's the sheep looking at the shepherd going, you know what, I know you told me to stay here, but I, I'm just going to go over here. I'm going to go do my own thing. We as sheep sometimes don't see the dangers, the spiritual dangers that we can get to. But we have shepherds, men who have followed Jesus Christ, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Men who are consistent in character and able to look and evaluate things from God's perspective. And they may not necessarily be uh, looking at the same things we're looking at. But you know what? We trust them. We're going to obey and we're going to submit because they're watching out for our soul. Because they're going to have to give an account for our soul. But no, you can also, by your rebelliousness and by your attitude, cause that, she cause that shepherd grief. It says that the shepherds ought to be able to minister with joy and not for with grief. But you know what? A lot of that has to do with how we respond to them when they tell us things. When they look at scripture and say, this is the right way that we're going to go and we're going to go this way. And I look at that and I say, no, you know what? I see that you said that, but I'm not going to. I'm going to be kicking and screaming the entire way. I'm still standing up on the inside. There's an obedience and a submission that go into honoring those who rule over us. Third and finally this morning, understand that there is an embracing that needs to take place. Look down to verse 24, second to last verse. Greet all those who rule over you, all of your leaders and all of the saints. Those from Italy greet you. Honor the elders. Embrace those who rule over you. That means to draw oneself to, to salute or greet or bid welcome or wish well to or receive joyfully or welcome to enfold in the arms. I am so glad to see you. I've been missing you. You see, members of the congregation who have been absent because of illness for a long time, and you know what, one of the first things you want to do is run up there and give them a big hug because you love them and you've, you've missed them for a while. That's the word here. Embrace those who rule over you. You know what that tells me? That tells me every Christian ought to be on speaking terms with their shepherds. And every shepherd ought to be on speaking terms with the sheep. How have we followed, how have we embraced our eldership? How have we gotten to know these men who are shepherding us? You know what, the Hebrews writer in chapter 12 tells us there's a danger in the root and bitterness growing in us. Chapter 12 and verse 15. 
because maybe we don't like something that they've said or something that they've done or maybe a way that we feel like that they've treated us. And all of a sudden, I find myself kind of angry and bitter towards those people. And you know what's going to happen is that's going to grow over time until it is that I feel like they can't do anything right until the point where I say, you know what, I just can't worship at that place anymore with those men because they absolutely hate me, even though it is that they constantly are reaching out to them and saying, hey, what can we do for you? How can we help you? doesn't matter if I've got that in my mind that they're just out to get me and that they can't do anything right. Embrace. Be on speaking terms. Receive with open arms as they come. Offer encouragement to them. Um, the next time, next time we're tempted maybe to say something critical or something bad against one of our leaders, one of our elders, shepherds, Instead of doing that, you know what the Bible would tell us to do? Find something that we can encourage. What if every time I was tempted in my own mind to say something bad about one of the shepherds, I decided to sit down and write a note of encouragement to each one of them? Well, somebody said, well, their inbox would be full and my hand would be cramping if that was the case. Well, you know what? That's okay. <laughs> That's okay. Because there's always something good to find and there's always something. And elders absolutely need encouragement, too. When was the last time that you uh, called up one of the shepherds and said, hey, what are you doing on this Saturday morning? Come on down here. Let's drink a cup of coffee together. Let me buy you breakfast. Let me talk to you. I want to just get to know you a little bit better. I want you to know something about what I'm going through, what, what's going on in my life. When was the last time you had an elder and his family over to your house to just say thank you? Thank you for standing up for the truth. Thank you for the hard stands and difficult places that you make. Thank you so much for what your wife means to the work here. Thank you so much for your example. Because if I'm going to live a Christian life that's successful, I need people whose faith I can look to and follow. How about offering a hug? How about physically embracing your elders? I don't know if these men are all huggy men. Is that a word, huggy? If they all like hugs, but you know what? <laughs> Maybe we should have a national every Sunday hug an elder day. Because I know that there's something about that embrace and there's something about that closeness and realizing these men need encouragement too. And these men do difficult work and hard circumstances often that we may never ever know anything about. But we can absolutely let them know that we appreciate them and what they do. You know what, sometimes when we find ourselves out of patience with anybody in leadership, it's a good idea to think about where we are in our own minds and our own hearts that have led us to those conclusions. And maybe that's an opportunity for us to change something we're doing, the way we're responding. You know what? Jesus wants his eldership, the men who are shepherding his flock, not to be sitting up on high. One man described it like this. They're not boardroom elders. That's not, they're not just sitting in a boardroom somewhere and we get the benefits or the lack thereof of whatever decision they've made. He says, but what Jesus wants more than anything else as Jesus, as Jesus shepherds is that they are living room elders, that they're kitchen table elders, that they're elders that smell like the sheep because they've been around them. They know the sheep that they are shepherding. And we know them to be men of character and consistent conduct the way our Savior Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Let me end on a personal note just for a moment. Open your songbooks up, please, to the song of invitation that Troy announced just for a moment ago.
Some of you weren't here this past Sunday night. But I will never forget what I saw. As Brother Dwyer announced the invitation and we all stood and sang, we had one of our shepherds come down this side aisle and sit down here in the front. And he was followed by the other three shepherds of the Graver Road congregation. And they all sat with him. As it was that he confessed sin, he confessed sorrow for the fact that he maybe had caused people to stumble because of his words, because of his attitudes. I don't know all the details. I don't know any of the details other than what's announced, honestly. And as he sat there and as the statement of confession was made, two thoughts occurred to me. Number one, I have never seen this before. I've worshipped at a lot of places and I've never seen a shepherd come forward and ask for the prayers of the congregation because he had failed, because he needed prayers, because he needed to ask the forgiveness of the congregation. But the other thing that I thought is if this man is in a position of leadership, and this man is not too proud to sit up on high and say, you know what, it's not me that needs to change, it's everybody else that needs to change, and those people need to just get on board, otherwise they can just get off this plane. If a man's humble enough to realize that even in a position of authority and responsibility like he is, that he still needs to ask for forgiveness from time to time from the congregation, Brothers and sisters, that's a man I want to follow. And that's an eldership that I want to follow. Because I know that they are following Jesus Christ. And I know that they realize their own failures in that endeavor. But I also know, brothers and sisters, where a congregation can come together and say, you know what, none of us are perfect. And for whatever Steve came forward asking for prayers and forgiveness for, I know that those who feel like they've had something against him have forgiven him because of that, because I know the character of the leadership, and I know the character of the leadership transmits into the character of the people who are their leading, and I know that there's forgiveness that's taken place here in this place. But I want you to know, elders, elders who are going to be appointed today, don't ever be afraid to show weakness. Don't ever be afraid to ask for the congregation's prayers of strength. Don't ever be afraid to come before us confessing fault and difficulty and realizing that we're trying to be like Jesus, just like you're trying to be like Jesus, but we're looking at your faith, and we're glad for that. Let's bow together for a word of prayer, please. Our great God, Father in heaven, we are humbled to stand in your presence this morning. We're humbled, Father, to be called your children. We're humbled, God, that even though we were sinners, we were without strength, we were ungodly, we were children of wrath. Through the blood of your son, Jesus, God, we can be called your sons, your daughters. We are being justified. We are being saved through his blood. God in heaven, help us every single day to imitate those whose faith are worthy of following and to realize, dear God, that we are all striving to be like Jesus. We're thankful, Father, for the shepherds that we have. We know, God, that they are not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but that they are mature men. We're thankful, Father, for these three men who are going to shortly be appointed as shepherds over this congregation. God, we're so excited for that. And God, we're so looking forward to the wonderful things that you'll be able to do through us in this place as we look to Jesus. 
And we pray, God, that you'd bless this congregation with spiritual growth, that each one of us may grow beyond being children who are tossed about by every wind of doctrine. Father, we can grow beyond being babies who are uh, in need of just the solid food. But may it be, Father, we grow up into all things, into the head, which is Christ. Thank you, Father, so much for the Great Road Congregation. Help us, God, as we seek to glorify you here in this place. Bless us, God, as we move forward from this place. And may it be, Father, that you're always exalted in our lives. It's in your Son's name we pray. Amen. If you are subject to the Lord's invitation this morning, we invite you to come forward as we stand and sing our invitation song.